Papercut Podcast strives to be evocative and inclusive. Every Monday, we cut below the surface with folks that make the Winnipeg arts and culture scene thrive. Welcome to Paper Cup Podcast. My name is Jared Goche. I'm Olivia Michaelchuk, and we are here with Charlie Feta. Tell us a bit about yourself, please. Uh, my name is Charlie Feta. I am uh, 33 years old, uh, born and raised in Winnipeg, currently living in the north end of the city uh, for many, many years. Um, just put out a record uh, on the Friday, on Friday, uh, called Steven Tyler. Um, and yeah, we just had the release party last night, and that's what's going on with me. Where was the release party? It was at the Cavern. At the Cavern. Yeah. And how did you like that venue for your we've, type of music? We've done, uh, we did Steve's beat tape release party there, and it went really well. Um, and then last night, it went super, super well. I like small venues like that, especially mm-hmm. like low ceilings. I'm a big fan of low ceilings. Um, and I think it's just a, re- it was a, it, it's a really good venue to have like 100 people in. And it's, um, the energy in that venue, I think, because of the way it's just so small and it's at the basement of, of the Toad. So there's kind of like, you know, I used to go watch punk shows there and stuff. So it's kind of cool to uh, play rap in there now. And the staff was great. So, yeah, I loved it. We had a great time last night. So what kind of music do you listen to? Punk? I listen to everything. I listen to rap like religiously uh, daily. I'm checking um you know, uh, two dope boys every morning to see what's new. Um, what is two dope boys? It's just this website. Yeah. Uh, they just post like new videos, new content, interviews. Uh, but I like them a lot. They just seem to have like a, whoever's curating that site does a really good job. Mm-hmm. Um, I listen to like a lot of uh, I listen to everything to tell you the truth. Especially working with Steve now, um, we listen to so much music to try to get like inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, for our stuff, so we try. Are you talking go. about Steve from Three? Steve from Three B, yeah, I call him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How did you two start working together? It's crazy, actually. Um, I just like I've always been going to shows, so I was like, when I was in Winnipeg's most, uh, I we were so busy with our music, I never really got to check out a lot of shows. So then, when we broke up and I became a dad and I kind of had all this time, um, I started going to checking out local hip hop shows, which I hadn't done for a very long time. It was just like my kind of circle I'd go see, and I went to. Um, was it Low Pub? I think it was maybe Low Pub. And uh, I saw 3P play. And there it was like, I was like, who are these guys? Like, And then we kind of became friends after that for like two years. And then randomly I was at the barbershop uh, at Saint and uh, I was getting a haircut. And Steve's, Steve was uh, had a, well, we still do, has a studio space on top. And he was just like, hey, I'm losing my roommate. You know anyone that wants to rent some space? And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll rent some space. And then that was it. Like, then me and Steve really hit it off. And then, you know, the, the relationship with 3 Pete and, and Anthony and all that just kind of came organically. And they're like, yeah, Steve's a really nice, really nice dude. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, so tell us a little bit about Winnipeg's most. <laughs> uh, we, it was a group uh, with myself, uh, John C., uh, a.k.a. Billy Pearson, and uh, third member, Brooklyn. Uh, he's no longer with us. Uh, and two producers from Alberta. Hobima, they uh, they actually made the group. So the producers are Stomp uh, and this guy J Mac, and they were really uh, influential in the Aboriginal urban music scene, like before it was kind of a scene. Like they were like really the godfathers of kind of uh, Aboriginal rap. I guess we hated boxing ourselves into something, but if you were gonna, you know, if I had to categorize them, they would be like the godfathers of that. And they were working with a group called uh, Res Official. 
and res official was uh, a couple guys from Winnipeg, so Tomislav and Helen back, and then another guy from Alberta. Um, and they just found us at like a show. We were, we were like we were opening up for some sort of show, and they were in the crowd, and they came up to us, introduced us, and like, yo, we want to make a record, and we're like, oh, okay. And then we didn't let, let talk to them for like a year, and then all of a sudden, Stomp flew to Winnipeg. We made a record, and it just like blew like blew up. Like one song just like completely changed our lives, um, and then yeah, we just started touring um, lots and hard, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we had it was, it was pretty like um, short lifespan. Like, what in, were the years that this was happening? So we made we recorded the first record in um, two thousand and two thousand and nine, and then I think we dropped it in two thousand and ten. And then everything took off, and then we were broken up by 2013. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was hectic, but we were like it was such a whirlwind, like it was it was insane, like it just came out of nowhere too. Like we had no, um, like obviously when you make art or music or whatever, you hope that it's received well and that you can make money off of it if you can, if that's your goal. Um, and it was just like like literally overnight. Like we put out a video and it got like 500,000 plays on YouTube in like a week. And mm-hmm. this was before YouTube was like super, like it was still big, but um, yeah. And, th- and then every, everything else just kind of fell into place. We got like a spread in McLean's magazine. Oh. Uh, CBC did a documentary on us. Uh, Wob Canoe actually was the, the host of that documentary. Wow. That's uh, really cool. Yeah. I've, I've known <laughs> Wob. It's for so long. I used to sneak into shows at uh, the basement of the zoo at Aussies and go see his group, uh, the Dead Indians play, which was Wob, uh, Kenny, and Peanut. And this was like super, like super old. And they were so fun. It was such a good... And then he was a part of a group called Slang Blossom too. But yeah, so with Winnipeg's Most, we just... It, it was just super, like maybe the record, and then it just blew up. And then we were a group. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like... That was it. There was not really any big plan. Like we weren't... We didn't put together a group and we're like, hey, we're going to be a group. We're just going to make this record together. We're going to call it Winnipeg's Most. We're going to put it out and see what it does. And it just exploded. So we just rode the wave until the wheels fall off. Yeah. Yeah. And what was it? So the relationship between the three of you? I think it just deteriorated. I mean, it's hard being in a trio, especially because there's always somebody that's going to be the odd man out. Mm-hmm. Um It was really good. We, we, like, we enjoyed so much success together. But like back then... Um, I was just released from prison like a year before that record came out. Uh, all of us had legal troubles. Brooklyn, you I mean you could do the Googles on that? I mean, he was in and out of jail. He missed our first tour because he got locked up. Um, so there was just like a lot of like kind of darker life stuff that was happening in the, in the background. And that once the media kind of got a taste of that, it kind of fueled the 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 myth or whatever fueled your you know your the, when you show up to something they're like oh like there's the gangsters or like there's the gangster rappers and the thing was we couldn't really say no we weren't because we were making news for <laughs> being in jail and just doing stupid stuff you know yeah. um but we just weren't ready for it that's i think was like the main um like what made us fall apart was just we just were not prepared for it at mm-hmm. all and it's hard to be young and successful and have a lot of money and then not let egos get in the way. I mean, eventually they just start 
you know, you could be the best of friends, but once you have outer sources involved and money and, and fame and, and you know what I mean, you, your ego starts to kind of inflate. So, but me and John C are still really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Brooklyn passed away um, in, ooh, I don't want to get the date wrong. I think 2015. Um and uh, yeah, that was kind of just like a, a wake up call for me and John C. Like, like wow, like one of the original members, you know, uh, is no longer with us. So it was, it was kind of like we all started. We kind of got back together and, and just kind of remembered it. But we, we, did, we, I don't think we'll ever make another record. Like mm-hmm. maybe we'll do something, but I don't think we'll ever like resurrect it or like right. it just needs to lay, lay and be. Yeah. yeah. So what was your first project after Winnipeg's most? Um. ADHD. Well, during Winnipeg's Most, I did a project with Rupp uh, called ADHD, which was super fun, and I still really like that record. Um, and me and John C did a follow up because uh, when we broke up, Brooklyn kind of went his own way, and we kind of were still friends. Like it was kind of like a weird split. Um, so we did like a thing called the Winnipeg Boys, but like we said, it was just kind of like we just wanted to put music out because the fans like we did. Uh, Winnipeg's Most did three records, and then people were like, "Yo, like we want more music. We want more music." And <clears throat> I was I was a new father and I was like yeah like I could like we were getting booked so we just had to keep kind of putting out music to keep getting booked um, so yeah Winnipeg Boys was the uh, it's called Abenizio Abenizio was that record and that was the first one I did post Winnipeg's Most interesting was there any animosity like the fact that you and John C were putting out another oh, yeah. record oh yeah yeah like I, I won't speak ill of the dead but yeah um, Brooklyn uh, was a big personality and uh, he was, yeah, we were, there was, there was some well-publicized, you know, there was, a, it was a well-publicized split. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, him and I always still talked, you know, he, we might spout off at the mouth and say things we shouldn't say, but, you know, come birthdays and Christmas time and stuff like that. If you see it, you know, we see each other out in public and it wasn't, you know, maybe it, it, it it's weird being kind of like an internet being that's my my entire career has been based off the internet like you know so it's like weird how someone will frame something online but then when i see you in person i like shake you shake your hand and give you a hug (laughs) yeah and you know what i mean but i don't know it it, it was some animosity there for sure yeah interesting so the media like it seems like they've played up you know your status as as gangsters or they were during the time and that was like a big thing for me especially because i was on parole um and i still had a lot of time left and um it just wasn't a good look. And I was just looking to change my life. Like when I got out, I was like, I'm never going back. Like, I'm just not going to do that. That's not nothing that I wanted to, um, make a part of, like make a staple in my life. Like, a, like a lot of my, you know, a lot of people that you come up with when you're living that way, that is a staple of their life. And, um, so the fact I was really adamant about not being branded like that, but mm-hmm. when the management and when it's selling, how do you, you know, so you're in this weird kind of, you don't want to promote it to this, point of like this is cool but you know that's what's selling and then it was just trying to stay conscious of like the message that we were putting into the music like yeah there's that but there's also this like there's always the negative so we'd always try to represent that but we we had no media training we had nothing you'd get caught in interviews and you know what do you say you're like (laughs) and our, our our main producer Stomp, who was like the manager, would always be like, "Just don't say anything." And we'd be like, "Well, how can we do that? There's a microphone in front of us." You yeah, know, like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, they. It worked though. It worked. It like, played too much. Like I paid my bills for four years, five years, so I can't really, as much as I didn't enjoy um, the characterizations 
they were based in reality. We had we all had you know checkered pass, and we were all not living the best. So you know it played. It was mm, fun. Interesting. It was fun while it lasted. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about the relationship between, like you were saying, the themes of the songs that you're singing, and then also were you like stepping, I guess, away from that lifestyle as you're going on tour and you're playing shows and becoming a father, but you're still singing about those things. Yeah. So, or rapping. Yeah. How can you talk a little bit about that relationship between the two of those things? Yeah, I think I've, I've, I've had like a lot of really good conversations actually, uh, with the, the mother of my child. Um, and I think I've just kind of come to terms with the fact that for me anyway, um, it was, a part of my life and it played a huge part in my life even though that part is over and I've closed the book and I've uh, made changes in my life to make sure that I never kind of go back that way um, it still like really molded me like in the way that I think now like just I can go to any situation and just kind of apply something that was like from 10 years ago to it and mm-hmm. um, it's kind of like the balance because I always just try to I try to represent it like this. If I'm going to put that in the song, I'm going to, I, I never put it in a song without giving you the other side of that coin. Or Can if you give us a, an example? Um, off the top of my head, um, like even in All That I Know, like probably like our biggest song, mm-hmm. uh, the whole song is all, it's all that I know. You know what I mean? Like my baby want me out the game, but I tell her this is all that I know. So in that verse, um, I, I talk about like having dreams um, my, and this was a true story. My girl at the time kept having dreams um, that I was going to die. I, she kept dreaming that I was going to die because I was, I was out in the streets and I was selling drugs and I was acting crazy and, and living a, a, a weird life. And, um, and, and then in, the, in, in that verse, I say, yeah, like I recognize that and I recognize the fact that you're worried and I'm worried too, but I need to get this money. I need to pay these bills. I need to do that. I need to, um, you know, it's kind of like a weird... I think Pusha T, I wish I, I could remember the line, but he talks about the drug dealer di- dichotomy, like the boat, the flip of it. And um, it's just kind of, I don't think I'm articulating it correctly, but I just always try to show both sides. Like, I don't know how to do one without the other. I would never glorify it without telling you like, yo, you can go to prison for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, I was 19 and I got sentenced to six years and I was like, holy shit. Like I was sitting there, I was like, oh my God, my life is over. Like in my head, I was like, this is done. When they gave me my um, my prisoner card, it said the date of my warrant expiry. So the end of my sentence was like 2012. And this was like 2006 or seven. I was yeah. like, what the fuck? What is going on? I just It just scared the shit out of me. Um, so I always try to represent that. Like where it's like, yeah, okay, you know... Um, it's cool. I mean, you want to you want to look cool. You can get a gold chain, get a nice car, get some nice pretty girls. Sure, but like, you know, where's the nice car, the chain, and the pretty girls when you're in a six by nine and you're all alone? You know, mm-hmm. I just try to represent both. So I don't really try to glorify one or the other side. I just I feel like I'm, you know, I don't want to be cliche. I'm like I'm just reporting on my environment. But I mean, a lot of hip hop is kind of based on that. Just kind of telling the story, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting balance. So what are some of the themes in your project, Steven Tyler, now? Oh, man. It's like a whole new me. I love these guys. Uh, I've always been really... Um, excuse me. I've always been very like uh, lyric-based in, in, in my writing. And uh, working with Steve and and sitting there while he makes the beats and produces the record and does all this you know, stuff that I'm usually not around for um, has been so good because we've been forming the songs we're like we're we're not just 
he doesn't make the beat and then I come to the studio and I write and then we put it on. It's not like that. It's like we pick the sample or we pick the sound and we build it. And as he's building it, I start kind of building the structure of, of, of the lyrics. And then because we're doing it, you know, together, um, we're able to like form it really well and form not only like good, good music, like sonically, but the ideas, uh, don't get lost. They kind of, you're always, once you, once you have it from like a little seed and you can, you can really protect its growth and kind of guide it to where you want it to go. So with this record, it was just that, like we would, we'd hear a sound and then we just look at each other and be like, yeah, yeah, we're flipping that. We're flipping that. And then, you know, he starts banging on the, banging on the MPC or the machine. And, uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. I, 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 most of my guys use MPCs, DJ Cutdown, Kinetic, all the dudes, uh, Steve runs with the machine. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's just been great. It's just been great working with him and just not being so dark all the time. Like I used to. I think I, I think like a lot of people when they deal with kind of like darkness or any any kind of like feelings of depression and stuff like that, especially like when you're able to create whether visually or, or with words or however you decide to you know express yourself. Um, I was just always going back to dark music. Like I was always kind of on like a dark theme or a dark sounding beat. It was always there was always some sort of like darkness in my music mm-hmm. since Winnipeg's most. Um, and then I met Steve and it was like crazy like it was like no you like let's not be angry today let's let's have fun on this record let's you know and that was the thing it was it just was super organic and watching steve work and the way he creates sounds and then him showing me too what he's doing and now me kind of dabbling into that too and being able to to add things that i want to hear as 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 a lyricist i'm like it would be really cool if it could kind of have this you know add a crescendo like give me a role here and he's like well do it yourself and then being able to do it and then having him kind of come and touch it up has just been like a dream. And the record plays great. Um, yeah, I think we just mesh really, really well. And the themes are like just fun. Like we got a song called Hands On about, you know, everyone's trying to get paid. But it's not like a, it doesn't feel like like a hustler anthem or anything like that. It's just like it's a fact of life, man. Everybody's got to pay their rent, you know, like you need to get your, you got to get your hands on some money. Um, and we had Dill the Giant on that and, yeah, we just and then and then he still accommodated me on um, some of the darker records like Legoland, uh, All Praise Due, and um, TAT, and those are like really New York kind of boom bap ish beats, you know. So we lots still of have finger that. quotes in lots, that. Lots, yeah, yeah lots of lots of air quotes in that one. Um, but yeah, he's he's honestly one of the most talented, and I've I've had the pleasure of working with so many talented <laughs> guys, especially in Winnipeg, Boogie. Um, uh, DJ Cutdown, Ruppa, like just a lot of really good producers. And so Steve, um, adding Steve to that list is like, I'm honored to have him. And, and I, we already have about five records for the next one too. Oh, so really? We're, yeah, yeah, we're going to do a couple. We, we had a really good time last night. It kind of affirmed, like confirmed it. We're like, should we do another one? He's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. Well, we already got five records. So we'll just start building off those ones now and, and, and probably put it out mid-2019. So how does that writing process go? Like, are you just sitting in a room? Like, where do you guys draw the inspiration? I always write. Like, I write all the time. Like, my phone, uh, it's weird. I just started using the cloud and updating notes because I used to lose phones. And I'm like, oh, my God, I just lost 500 verses. Or I lost 300 verses. Or maybe not full verses, but 300 ideas, you know? I'm always writing. You're just jotting them down on the yeah, kind of a lot down. of the time, you know, even in the car, like with voice notes, like whatever, I, I'll just like 
uh, you know, Siri put this into the notes. Yeah. Even just one line and I'll come back to it. Uh, sitting down when I'm usually with Steve, uh, it's just calm. Like, it just comes naturally. It just starts, like, I don't know. I've never, any time that I've ever had, like, writer's block, um, I just didn't stress it. And I was like, I'll write when I write. Because um, there's been times where I don't write for three weeks. And then there's times where I'm just writing three songs in a day. You know, we don't use them all. Like, I think that's one thing that I'm kind of lucky with is that I write so much that I'm able to kind of boil down and refine ideas. And, and I like to make sure that I'm really, really happy with with song structure and especially like multisyllabic rhyme schemes. Like, bars are still really important to me. Like, lyrics are really important to me. That's what made me fall in love with hip hop and rap is that. I like ignorant rap music too. There's a time and a place for every record. I'll listen to Little Pump and Kanye at the club. Like I don't go to the club, but if I'm in that scene, you know, I, I, so you're I, not listening I, to them. No, yeah, but but like when we were at a party, you know, we went at the Goodwill. We were at the Goodwill and it came on and it it banged. You know, I was like, okay, I get it, but yeah. on my car, you time know, and place, time and place, exactly. For me, lyrics are really really important, and I think I'm just really really lucky that I can, I'm able to just write so freely, and I'm always kind of. Um, I'm always trying to think of, they call me Uncle Entendre because I'm always trying to think of like, like I just want to think of cool one-liners. Like, mm-hmm. I just love kind of quipping with my buddies too and my circle of friends is very like, um, we bust each other's balls badly. <laughs> like, you know, like we are, we are ruthless to each other and just having that quick back and forth kind of sharpens your sword all the time too. And I'm a firm believer in like, um, practice. Like even if I don't want to write, I'll just write. I'll put a beat on you know, I'll put something classic on, I'll put Biggie Juicy on, or I'll put Mob Deep Shook Ones on, just something with like a nice drum break, and I'll just, whatever, I'll just have fun with it, and I might delete it, I might not, you know, Mm -hmm. but I just want to make sure that I can do it all the time, Um, and my boy is really good, my son River is awesome, like I used to have the studio in my house, and he would just come kick it down there with me, and like, he just enjoys it too, and he might not be doing music, but he'll just sit there and draw, or do whatever, so it's, I just feel, I've never kind of had one of those things where I have to find time, I just kind of always bang it out. And mm-hmm. then when I go to the studio, I'm ready. So if something really needs to get done, okay, now, you know, the wheels are greased. I don't have to prime prime it to get it going. I'm just always, always ready to go. Yeah. That goes back to being a battle rapper too. I came from like when freestyle battle rapping was really freestyle battle rapping. Where would you do that? Oh, anywhere. We used to do it at like the graffiti gallery, me and Nerio. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the artist, uh, the vision. Yeah. yeah. So he's like a really, really, really close friend of mine. And I've known him for probably 15 years, if not more. I, I, I'd actually go ahead and say close to 20. Um, and we used to we used to have battles. We used to go to the Pyramid and like Ishmala from uh, from CBC. Yeah. I always laugh when he puts his mad CBC voice on. Because <laughs> I'll like, call him on the phone. He'd be like, yo, what up? What up? Da, 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 da. And then I hear him. He's like, it's a smaller. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I went to radio. I went to broadcast school. So I get it. But it's just, it's funny. He's the homie. Um, but I came from that. And yeah, the events at the Pyramid. I mean, even like Rendezvous used to do events. Like um, every, every place used to do it. And it was literally a freestyle. So all you needed was Two, like one mic, you pass it back and forth, you guys don't rap over each other. Two mics, one for the host, one for you. A DJ and three judges. And Interesting. People would just come. How many people would come to? Sometimes it would just be like rappers. Like Sometimes it would be like, you know, you've all been to those local shows where it's just all like the bands, the bands that are opening and then the band's friends. You know what I mean? And it started out like that, but then there was some, 
that would be like a hundred people. That would be you know house parties. Like oh you going to the house party? Okay, I'm gonna fucking meet you there at eleven, and we're gonna get it in. Mm-hmm. And you would, and you would, and then people were like amped for it. It was like a fight, but it wasn't right. But it was yeah. hyped up like a high school fight, which is so, super fun. Battle rapping, like you're just seeing this person like for the first time, and you have to think on the fly, right? The good thing is, yeah, I'm still from the era where uh, we 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 freestyle. But that being said. If I knew that Ruckus 45, that Saifa Diaz, and that Hellenbach, excuse me, were all going to be there, I will have something on deck. Oh, okay. But the thing is, now when you see like KOTD, King of the Dot, that's all written. It's all rehearsed. There's no beat. So you're able to, there's a lot more leeway with what you can do. We were doing it on beat and you didn't know the beat. Oh, okay. the, the, the DJ would just flip a beat and you'd be like, okay, I'm rapping on this. Right, so there was like, there was a lot more filler, I guess you would say. But then I don't know. So there was something really special when someone really got you and they didn't write it. You know what I mean? Like interesting. We the biggest freestyle battle I ever did was in Winnipeg, and it was at I don't know what it's called now. I think it was called the OC at the time. It's way down Pamina. It was called Battle of the Burrows, and I don't know why they call it Battle of the Burrows. should have been called something else but there was like (laughs) 600 people there and it was me and ruckus 45 and this was at a time when uh gang members being a part of your cruise was still very much reality (laughs) and i don't know what had happened but his crew i ended up standing in front of his crew so all of his fans were behind me it was pretty split down the middle like it was it was being hyped up because it was a tournament and there was four events leading up to this event so this was like the big the big event and I was, he was standing with his back to my guy. So I was looking at my guys and he was looking at his guys kind of thing. And it was just one of those special moments. I, I probably still have the footage somewhere, but I made a pretty, it, it, it was a bad taste line. Um, but it just got the craziest reaction and I, from that, from that moment. I was like, I don't, I don't mind. You know what I mean? Like, I don't mind. Like it, it was in bad taste. It was about, uh, it was when Vince Lee had cut that dude's head off and it was, it was in bad taste and I was the white, you know, I just flipped it and, 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 but and I, when I said it, I was like, oh, not a good one. Uh, like it wasn't over, it wasn't like that bad. It was just bad taste. It was a bad joke and mm-hmm. it just blew up though. Like people like, I heard his people behind me like, oh, like losing <laughs> their mind and I was like, okay, well, I mean, okay, yeah. Like, and that's the thing about battle rap too. You gotta have thick skin. You can't be, mm-hmm. I've been to battle rap events where dudes want to fight somebody because he made fun of their mom or, or, or a dead relative. And I'm like, well, hey, I'm sorry. This is battle. I'm not saying I would go that route mm-hmm. and I probably wouldn't. But in this arena, so nothing is sacred. What's the route that you try and take? I just try to take bars. I just out rap you. And okay. I'll be clever and I'll be mean if we're battling. I'm going to be mean. Like yeah. I'm going to make fun of everything I can. But I'll also take it and I'm not going to catch feelings and I'll probably laugh at myself a lot. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, it's almost like a roast. I feel like, like you ever watch like a comedian? Yeah. 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 It's like that. Like you'll bust it, but you love that guy. At the end of the day, you have a lot of respect for that guy, but it's funny and it's entertaining and the crowd has a good time. You get to flex a little bit and yeah, I just tried to always go with like finesse. I always like to. I got two things. Okay. One, 
is it not cool for your parents like to come see you rap like you wouldn't obviously bring them to a battle because that would be like that would be ammo ammo for the other guy yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, you do not bring your mom to the battle rap but like other shows like (laughs) if people are playing like a rock show like their mom's there is it cool for people to bring their yeah yeah yeah? I I love rap moms man me and me and and Tony are rap dads we always say that me and me and uh, the manager of 3P who also manages me Anthony Carvello shout out Tony um yeah, we're rap dads. Like, we love it. Like, I I brought River to... I like those kids' dance parties. My mom's come to... Um, I think my mom's come to a, maybe two shows. She's not really her thing. It's just, the music's too loud. and You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're from, like, a more chiller. She wants to, like, come relax. I said, my <laughs> shows aren't the place for relaxation. Um, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I... I I, but I not always, to a battle. Not to a battle, never. Never. Because <laughs> that guy's going to say some real... Then you might fight because your mom's there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Your mom now wants like, to fight him. Like, <laughs> yeah, my, if you make my mom cry, I'm going to punch you in the face. I don't care how it looks. Like, yeah. you know, I have to do this for my mom's honor. So yeah. I would not bring <laughs> kind of hurting your chances at winning. <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. not bring my mom to a rap battle. It'd be bad. Sure. So, I, I got mad in a rap battle one time. I was actually uh, fresh out just got released like two weeks and this guy called me uh, a goof and when you're uh, in a secure facility that's a bad word just fight on sight and I wasn't even thinking goof? Just, yeah, is it a bad word? bad word in, wow. in, in jail bad oh very very bad word and do not yeah I even on the street when someone says that I'm like ooh I don't like that word wow <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's weird Strange. but it's weird because I'll be somewhere they're like ah oh, you're being a goof and I'm like yeah it's <laughs> I've only heard it lightheartedly I've never <laughs> right it's yeah. so weird there's like such a weird thing in there I don't want to wow. go into it but he called me that word and I just kind of like lost it huh. and got in his face and I, I after about a half an hour I went and apologized to him and we ended up you know we're good he's a good dude and, uh, and, he, and he did what he had to do though that was the thing I told him immediately after he did it on purpose. He knew it because his he's he knows what what's up, mm. and he said it. And he's like, "I knew that would get you." And I was like, "Good move," because I lost because I lost that battle because I was so mad. I tried to like you know, and then when it was my turn to rebuttal him, I had wasted all that anger just kind of being a you know physically aggressive, and I should have like processed it and shot it back at him, but I didn't so. There, it sounds like anger is a theme that keeps on coming up. Is it? Are yeah, those it feels... places sometimes scary places to be? Like, are there beefs that go on farther than the battle? Or no, like... not usually. I mean, it's like everything. It's life. Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. Especially now. I mean, the guys are so. There's such a camaraderie now because you came up with these dudes. So the new group came up with them battling each other. But yeah, anger. It's. It's a contact sport. And I think that's something that I've always really liked in hip hop music, and something that I um, don't like. I don't like like the idea uh, that everybody has to be friends. In, like, I don't like that. I don't. I don't get it. Like being a dad and like going to these like daycare school meetings of like you know everybody has to get along and everybody and I'm like, I mean to an extent, but no. Like, do you know what I mean? I yeah. don't know. I like comp- I like competition. Mm-hmm. Just because I don't like you doesn't mean I want <coughs> bad things to happen, I think. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, right. just, I like to separate myself. I like to find my circle, and that's that's where I'm at. And I, I'm up for trying new things and hearing new sounds and that, but once I'm comfortable, this is my kind of my zone. And, and in rap, I feel like everyone's trying to be like, haku- sing Hakuna Matata together and, and, and 
go around the campfire and I kind of like rap beef. Like, it doesn't have to be mm-hmm. serious to where, like, see people are getting hurt because then that's just, that's uncalled for in any, in any situation, I don't think, especially when you're talking about art. You know, we're, we're making music, you know, like, it shouldn't be that serious. You <laughs> right. Know? Mm-hmm. But I'm better than you. And I'm going to tell you that I'm better than you if, if you're my, if you're my competition. Right. And even guys in my own crew, I'm like, we'll just, you always try to, it's, and it's inspiring to hear a guy, like when I hear like a verse from Egg from 3P, who's like my favorite rapper in the world, bar none. When I hear something from him, I'm always like, that motherfucker, oh, it's so good. That's so <laughs> good. Why couldn't I write that? And it makes me want to write something that I feel will kind of up. Up, yeah, up, and you gotta build. stoke the fire. Yeah, and I like that. I really like that. That's what always fuels me. Um, and I think for me, music's been such a good way for me to process my anger and and work it out and not get in trouble for it. You know, and, and doing the youth work, um, especially with the youth that were incarcerated at NYC, it was it was cool because there's like there's angry angry young people and they're angry for a reason. They've had really tough lives and they've, they're in really bad situations. So being able to show them like, hey, like, this is how I process my anger and it works for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll go like scribble on a page and rap really angry and I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I feel good. Yeah. I can, I can go about my day and, and not have negative feelings. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Do you, have you ever had a, like, had a battle that was too close? Like, do, have you ever had to say like, I won't do that with this person because I know too much no, like you've never had to like no. do they purposely kind of keep those things separate like they know probably friends do the or... opposite and put it together oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. they'll put it together they want it it's like a reality show a little bit you're setting it up you know oh I mean? yeah you don't know what's gonna happen but you're placing bets like okay like they really know each other but <clears throat> those battles are usually always the best because everything is done if I'm really really friends with you it's kind of like, I don't want to hurt you. Mm-hmm. Like I want to, I want to win, but I don't want to hurt you. And so I think it's kind of good because it forces, if the two people are close, it forces them to get really creative. And instead of just getting the shock, shock lines, like, you know, whatever grotesque, gross stuff about your mom or your whatever, your girl or your whatever, um, you're kind of forced to, to be strategic and pick it apart. And that's the way I like to attack music too. I always just like to be really strategic in the way that I um, articulate my words, the way I, the cadence that I choose for for certain uh, sounds, or the cadence that I choose to use when I'm, you know, on this type of sound, on this type of beat or a different type of beat. It's just very. We're trying to get me and Steve always say we like to get scientific with it. Right, I want to get scientific. That was my second question that I hijacked already before, but like I want you to nerd out about composition right now like lyric composition and like um like timing like there's a lot that's going on in rap because there's the beat that's behind you but then you're also making a beat with your vocals on top of it right so like can you explain some of that i i like to i think i i like to find we always call I, i find the pocket i find the pocket of the beat i try to find the beat within the beat um i'm not I'm not too hip. <laughs> I'm not too hip on the jargon of uh, of, of it, but um, the way that I I write, I I always try to. I'm a sucker for multisyllabic. Like I want to rhyme, 
I want to rhyme, and I use numbers, so I number a lot of my, um, if I'm working on something really intricate that I need it to be really perfect, I'll number it. So mm-hmm. I want I want one to rhyme with three, two to rhyme with four, or I want one to rhyme with four and two to rhyme with three, or then I'll start spacing it out and I'll start going into my two lines. So now I'll have like, you ever seen like Rap Genius? How they like highlight words? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so the blue rhymes with the blue, the green, the green, the green. Yeah. And all that, that's how I kind of try to do it when I'm writing it. But I, I feel like... I, my head already works like that. Like when I'm plotting out something, I already kind of know like six or eight words that I want to use that are all kind of like, you know, one to three, two to four, four to four, uh, four to one, two to two to four. Like I just try to like always keep them guessing now. And, and Steve is really good because when I get stuck in loops, excuse me, when I get stuck in loops, cause I'll, I used, I used to write, so you could write four fours, like to a four bar kind of loop, and there's a thing called like three threes. There's so many ways to write. Um, but he was like, Why are you putting boundaries on your writing? Like, why are you why are you doing that? And I was like, Well, because it allows me to do this. He's like, Yeah, but you can still do that and just do it with way more freedom if you just kind of, you know, um deconstruct your own box. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. And then I'm like, oh, well. So now the numbers are kind of irrelevant. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, just add more numbers. Hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just, so I've just started to like, um, and, and it's crazy too that you said that because me and Steve were just talking about that. And too, it's like simplifying now is really a big thing for me. I don't want to be, I want, lyrics are so important to me and I want to make sure that when I do uh, put something out, not only is it done right uh, by my standard, uh, but it's also really creative and it's fun and there's, there's kind of nuances that I want you to listen to it like four times before you'll get that line or you'll find like a new meaning in that entendre. Like it might be a double or a triple entendre. So you only heard it one way and then you hear it next week and you're like, Oh shit, it goes that way too. Mm -hmm. And then it goes backwards if you, if you listen to it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and simplifying, uh, taking stuff out. So taking unnecessary words out is a big thing for me too. I don't like, um, and the way I rap syllables have to match. So, the less, the least you can do while still being very um, technical, like mm-hmm. not having a lot of filler words. I don't like, I think Kendrick Lamar is a really great example of someone that really uh, prioritizes like the what words he uses and the in which way he, there's no filler. I, I don't hear a lot of filler in his, mm-hmm. in his verses. A lot of it's just like um, straight to the point. There's not a whole lot of, uh, I just, yeah, I keep saying filler. It, I just feel like a lot of like the new hip hop stuff is like all a lot of ad libs. Mm-hmm. A lot of ad lib rap, which, like I said, time and a place. I like the Migos. You might catch me listening to them. Uh, they got really good beats. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm from I'm from the class. I I grew up on the class of of rappers. I was like Big L, Big Pun, uh, Immortal Technique. You know, Rock Him, uh, Big Daddy Kane, Cool G Rap. Even though it was still a generation behind me, that's where I gravitated to when I got into rap. I was like, no. Nah, nah. Even the new stuff, you know. Well, I think everybody kind of has their own writing process, but mine is exactly that. Like, I like to, I like to make sure that it's fucking perfect. Like, I just need it to be perfect. And Steve hates me for it because I'll we'll record <laughs> something, and then I'll I'll go to the studio a little bit earlier than him the next day, and I'll be listening. And he's like, yo, it's perfect. He'll come in. He'll be like, yo, it's good. Don't worry about it. I'm like, no, it's not. And 
I have to go in there and I have to fix one fucking word. Like just one word. Because I didn't say it right. And it matters to me because it's going to be, once it's out, it's out. Yeah. You can never take it back. Right? So I just, I've, I've put out things in the past where I'm like, I really wish I would have taken another day on that one or, or, or fixed that word there and, and, and kind of got more, um, more in depth with it. But, you know. So in that process, how many drafts of, of a track would you say you go through before you hit the final one? Um, man, with Steven Tyler, few, like very few. Some of them are like, probably three of them are first, first drafts. Like we really nailed like three of them. And then most of the time about three, most of the time I'll do like a demo, <coughs> excuse me, a demo of like a voice note or I have like a little setup at home too. Then I'll just get like some, an idea down and then I'll take it. Then I'll work with it. Yeah. Both three, three by the time you hear it. Sometimes more, it depends. Yeah. Depends how like important the song is to me too. Like sometimes I just want to have fun. And sometimes as a rap fan, sometimes I just want to hear bars. I don't really care if there's like a huge deep meaning, but I want to, I want it to be smart. I want it to be intelligent. I want it to be witty and funny or, or, you know, give me some sort of emotion, but I don't need it to be super deep when I'm working on a song. Um, like I, I did a song that hasn't even come out and um, I've prob- I'm probably on like <laughs> draft 26 of it because it's just about my dad and my mom and, and, and just kind of like it's just really important to me and I'm, and I'm pretty good at just um, I'm pretty good at telling myself that something's bad. And I feel like the the more important thing, like the the more important that that thing is, I'm like, no, it's not good enough yet. It's not good enough yet. It's not good enough yet. So there's it varies so much, so widely. But when you're in the vibe, like with Steve, it's just it's automatic. Once you once you know the record's there, it's there. And and sometimes you don't want to overthink it too. If it's there, it's there. Yeah. And we're pretty good. We we have like a good twenty people that I have like a Dropbox folder with that I'll kind of put stuff in, and I know that they'll listen to it within a week. And then I can hit them up and be like, hey, what did you think about that? That's that a cool way to go about it. Yeah, yeah. And they're, guys, they're guys that I know really appreciate hip-hop. And there's yeah. guys that, are, that aren't even so much hip-hop but appreciate structure and lyrics and, and soundscapes. So we might just add a beat there. Or we might add um, just a, a hook, just an idea of the melody. And, and we know maybe not even whatever. And I'd be like, yo, you, you feeling that? And he's like, oh, yeah. Or, or it's like, eh. And if I get enough ass, I trust these guys' ears. So... Mm-hmm. It's good to separate. And I also really like being able to separate myself from stuff. Like, <clears throat> I feel like a lot of artists, regardless of the medium, when someone doesn't like it, they get like really personally hurt. And I've seen it happen and it sucks. Like it does suck if you put your heart and soul into something and you're like, oh, no one likes it. Well, <laughs> you know, fuck me, right? But uh, <laughs> I, I'm i pretty good at like, I like, I like putting it out and being like, have a buddy be like, nah, man, like not really. And if it's just one, okay, you know, not everybody's for everybody, but I have like 20. So if I get like six or seven that are kind of like, eh, yeah. eh, I'm like, okay, maybe let's try a different angle with this. Unless it's something I really believe in, then I just don't give a shit and I put it out anyway. That's a cool way to look at it. Yeah. Um, so I've got one more question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you were mentioning Egg as yeah. one of your favorite rappers in the city. In the world. In the world. In the world. Who else locally makes your top five list? Locally, Ooh. yeah, can't put yourself. I'm gonna, oh, that's fine. <laughs> they all know, man. You know, it's the KOM over here. Um, oh, I'm gonna hurt feelings. Um, <laughs> you can do honorable mentions as no, well. It's, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I like this. I like this. It's fair. It's we fair. Do some I, don't, purple I don't mind. So, this is all time, all time. Okay, egg 
for sure. I'm going to do no order, though. I'll just give you top five. Okay. No order. I like that. Egg. I'll go with Ishmala. Oh, nice. I'll go with... I'm going to go with Bubbles, who's a guy from my crew. Doesn't put out very much, but everything he puts out is... Uh, I'll go with... That's three. Uh, oh, I'm going to hurt feelings. It's a really toss-up. I love I love Rupp. I'm going to put Rupp and Sife together because they were always together. And then I have to say... I say, like, probably Pip? John, nah, John Smith. John Smith. Oh, you took someone Ooh. out of it. I pitched my boy. Pat is my guy. Pat is my guy. Yeah. Oh, you're going to uh, hurt feelings with that one. Yeah. I might, you I took might, someone I think... out of the top five. <laughs> okay, so honorable mention of Pip because I came there. up, I came up like listening to Farm Fresh. I came up like, I remember going, like I said, I know it's like, I, it's funny that you can, good luck try to find a, a, a Dead Indians record or video on a thing, obviously because their name would be crazy controversial today. But that group was so inspiring to me. I remember sneaking in and seeing Wob and, and hearing like the nut, like Peanutty, he made the beats and just like grimy, like so inspiring to me. Like I was like, whoa, this is Winnipeg right now? Like, this is awesome. Like, and I remember when they, they went on tour with uh, Res Official and, and, uh, and I remember watching that. I think it was, I don't know if it was MySpace was the was the, the big social media thing at the time. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Before MySpace. it was called social media. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you might be dating yourself there. <laughs> does, any, does anybody remember like ICQ? I don't know what that is. Oh, I don't. Oh, God. Yeah, okay. That's, that's <laughs> bad. I just really dated myself. It's like before MSN Messenger even. Um, but I just remember watching those types of people, like the, the kind of elder statesmen and like um, Shades of Black too, man, like Len Bowen. I should have thrown him in there. I got so many. Um, and these are all local. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's what was so inspiring for me coming up. And I feel like I remember when I, I really knew I was kind of on the right path for what I was trying to do when I started getting legitimate accolades from these people. Like they were like, yo, you don't want to battle this kid. Like, you know, you, you don't. Because I went, I beat them all. I beat Sife, John Smith, Helen Back. Oh, I see now. You curated your top five to well, one. No, no, but I, yeah, but I, beat them all, but I beat them all at Flavor 107. They used to have a Freestyle Friday type of thing. And I beat them all, and then they retired me because there was no one else to beat. <laughs> oh, you're retired. I was retired. I was not even lying. I'm not, Abby, Abby from Gary Street Coffee, uh, he knows the old program director, Frank. And he, I, I saw Frank walk by uh, the coffee shop, and I was like, oh, my God. I was like. I wanted to run out and be like, you retired me, you bastard. But yeah, she's like, yeah, it's probably a long time ago. He doesn't remember anymore. It's so good years. you got retired. Like, you didn't even make the choice <clears throat> on your the, own. The prize, the prize was, uh, what did they give me? They gave me some recording time that they never ended up honoring, and I ended up having to pay for it myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's funny. And then they gave me... Uh, <laughs> Tickets to a show or something like that. And I remember I was so young. I was like 16 or 17. I know it was before I was 18. I was like, yeah, man. Like, I made it. I fucking made it. I got three hours of recording time and tickets to this show. And I was just, yeah. I can't use any of it. <laughs> I can't use any of it, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what has, like... Where streets used to be a place where your music would go. So yeah. what has streets not being on the air 
waves anymore had an impact on the local hip hop scene. I think a huge one. I think a really. I think I can't believe we don't have a hip hop station. Mm -hmm. Like it Mm -hmm. boggles my mind. Um, And I love Dave, the the guy that runs like NCI. Um, He's a high up there. I don't know what his exact title is anymore, but he's he's great. He he really he really worked his ass off over there and tried to keep it alive. it was so huge for artists like Winnipeg's Most and Young Kid and Boogie because we were like, we had our little ecosystem here and there was a way that everybody could hear it. And especially with the stuff up north, um, like northern communities were like it, incredible. Like we were getting paid more money than I made in, in, in you know, I was getting paid like so much money. We, we were all getting paid so much money and it was so awesome because the crowds were huge and it was all love and the only way they were getting it was like on nci or on uh on youtube so i feel like um not having that especially locally really it really sucks because there's a lot of really good music that i don't get to check out because i I don't have time like i do like i try to check out as much music as i can but you're not checking out half of you know the tenth of what's coming out right Mm -hmm. um so, I mean, yeah, I think it's just pushed everybody to kind of go a little bit more online, which is cool in the sense that you get more of a broader reach and audience. But having that hyper-local um, kind of feel that terrestrial radio has. Um, and then it was cool because the hosts of the radio shows were always at the events. And it was like a real community now. Now there was a radio and now there was, you know, it was really starting to kind of become like, I don't know, like it just, it started, it was felt those years that streets was doing really well. It was the same years that Winnipeg's most was on fire. Young kid was killing it. Um, everybody was just, you know, well, that's where I heard it. That's where I know those things <clears throat> from is from streets. Yeah. I, I love them. And I wish I, we've me and Anthony Carvello, excuse me. He's a, he's got a Crecom grad and, and I, I've been at broadcast school and, I worked at CGOB for a little bit and, and, and we've, you know, we've talked like, I mean, I mean, we've really like kind of started to kind of make a plan, but I mean, it takes so much money. You have to have mm-hmm. a company, yeah. right? Like, but we we're definitely, if, if something like that were to ever start to form, I think it would be beneficial for, for Winnipeg to like back it mm-hmm. and, and pay for advertising. Like that was all, that was the thing, right? Like, I mean, advertising wasn't there. Right, mm-hmm. they didn't. They didn't fold because they were making money, so right. You yeah. know, so I think something it, like that resource you were talking about earlier about that website you check every morning, yeah. even something like that for local so music would feed. be yeah. And but then mm-hmm. here's the thing, it's like that crab in a bucket thing. Like who checks the like I I I, I see it a lot in hip hop, not so much in other genres. Um, the support it sometimes lacks until you're big. Do you know right. what I mean? Like sometimes they're like. Pff, whatever and then you and then you put something out and they're like oh what's up bro like it's like it's kind of like that idea in the, in the sense that you know um people were always complaining what was on streets because they weren't on streets mm-hmm. you know and i'm like well good make better music like stop like you know what i mean like they're not going to put everybody on mm-hmm. yeah. like why would they like people you know they have to drive advertise they have to drive listenership so they're going to play good popular music um, I think the the one thing about streets that I think they really could have done better um, was have uh, after hours programming. They just played the same music and they never had like any like deep hip hop like uh, like the the University of Manitoba. Um, they got that hip hop show that Ruckus uh, and I can't remember who the DJ is right now. 
Ruckus and his homie run it. But that's that's a place that you can turn the radio on and you can hear uh, new underground music, like new new rock Marciano, new uh, Mayhem Loren, new like new rappers you don't really hear that often. New Joiner Lucas even. Um, they, they'll play some Eminem because you, when, when you're hearing Eminem on the radio, right? Like they'll play everything. Yeah. And I think that's what Streets really kind of dropped the ball on. They went for a lot of pop, which I, I'm not mad at because uh, I know the game, but I just wish they would have been like, you know, 12 to 2. 12 to 2 in the morning. Just play some like, some some hard some hard tracks because people yeah. would have listened and people would have really tuned in and it would have had another, uh, it would have added, a, I think, a, a nice little dynamic. So if anybody ever makes another radio station take my advice and just play some good music yeah <laughs> and now we're stuck with three country music stations oh my god oh my gosh there's yeah. more than three I, I, and I, really? all of fm is country stations yeah, right when yeah. you're clicking yeah it's, yeah you can't find anything you can't get else. away from it it's it's yeah. like either top 40 or country and then there's 93.7 which is like old time oh music. yeah i, I mess I like with that i stuff. mess with 94 94.3 though yeah 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 that's nothing oh but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, back when it was curve Oh, you know, was you know what's messed up though? Now they're playing like, uh, they played like, it's a, so it's like a classic, right? When I first started listening in 94, it was, uh, 80s. No, it wasn't 90s. Was it 60, 70s? 60s. Oh, yeah. It was yeah, 60, yeah, 70s and yeah. 70s, 80s and 90s. And now it, oh yeah. 60, 70s, 80s. Now it's like, it was 80s, 90s, whatever. And now I heard, uh, what did I hear on there yesterday? And I was like, oh my God, I'm old. Uh, like Sublime like they were playing like this Sublime <laughs> and they're like way back and I'm like what? Yeah. <laughs> I was smoking pot in my buddy's basement listening to this like oh man I'm not that old but I you know I'm, I'm in my 30s so I mean it makes sense but they mess with a lot of like early Justin Timberlake and it's like seriously guys like you don't like, you don't like yeah. JT? no but I mean like as if that's like an old oh it's like an old you know, yeah. like, but it is though now uh, because we're but think about it the people that are like 37 that are getting closer to 40, that's... That's what they grew up on. That's what they grew up on. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like, you know, time... (laughs) It's just every station is like expanded, like 99.9 does 80s, 90s, and whatever. They have to because of... Same with 94.3. Like it's all... And 100.5, like 90s. And Mm -hmm. it's... I'm so scared for when 93.7, all the people that listen to it are dead and then I won't (laughs) be able to... They'll be like, I guess we'll they're all JT gone now. <laughs> yeah, they'll just be like, my grandkids will be like, oh, uh, if you go to 93.7, there's some Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake. <laughs> From yeah. the river. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just because XM, you know what I mean? The, the, the way people ingest music yeah, now yeah. is so different. That's why people are like, yo, you got CDs? I'm like, no, I got tapes. And they're like, well, I don't have a tape player. I'm like, good, you're not going to listen to a CD either. You know what I mean? Like you're gonna yeah. put it, you're gonna plug your aux cord in like everybody else does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember I lost a, a pretty important CD book, not a whole bunch. Like I have a big CD collection, but I lost some. And I was sitting there and I was talking to a friend of mine, and I was like, "Man, let's go to this. Let's go to the. Let's go like for a ride today. I want to try to get as many of these CDs back, right?" And he goes, "Why?" He's like, "Do you got Apple Music?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Don't you just listen to it on Apple Music?" And I'm like, "Yeah." I ended up getting them. Like, no, it's not that day, but just. That's his, and I'm like, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. I totally see like why I have like stacks of CDs. I like media though. I like the smell of the CD booklet. I yeah. like I like flipping pages. I like reading credits. I like to see who did the artwork. I like to see who played. You know, like that's why I just started kind of getting into vinyl. I like the fact that all the musicians are usually on there. Yeah. So you could 
you know, it, well, it's, it's incredible, right? Like, never mind. Like, the kids now, I'm like, they don't even look at the artwork. Artwork is now an Instagram post or an Instagram mm-hmm. story post. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no... Art. Yeah, like yeah. tangible. You're looking at your fingers. Yeah, like tangible. Art. Like, and it, it, the, the thing is with me too is that it's... It, it, with music, it's your intellectual property. You know what I mean? There's, it, you can't touch it, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that, that was the way you could touch it. That was what made it kind of like real, you know, like I always loved that. I remember the first time that I saw my music on a CD, like I saw the CD, I was like, whoa. <laughs> you have like, to hold it to Wow, like, yeah. like fucking opening it. And we, we were we were hustling at the time. So we were like, yeah, let's do like a fucking 20 page booklet, not knowing how much it costs to make a 20 page <laughs> booklet and how much time it takes to make a 20 page booklet. But we did it and I didn't, I, to this day, I don't regret it. Like I still have it. I'm like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. were like filling it up with like a bunch of we're like, 20 pages, be easy to fill. It's like, no, it's pretty fucking hard. Like, <laughs> so we put like all the lyrics in it. It was just, it's cool. I, I love that. I remember like when I was a kid and I got my CD player for Christmas and whatever the four CDs my dad bought me or my mom got me. And I remember like laying in my room on the floor, listening to the CD start to finish, start to finish, start to finish and reading credits and reading. And then this is, I think my dad got a computer maybe a few years later and was like, 56k dial up and like like remember like writing those names down and then going to the computer and being like I want to know more about what can I find about this person and I mm-hmm. feel like now if you know the name you can find it super quick off your your smartphone but it's just lost you know I feel like it's just it's like a lot that's why I really like the cassette tapes because people that buy cassette tapes either they want them just for the nostalgia or they want it because it looks cool mm-hmm. or they're most of the time, they actually like have a tape player and they really enjoy listening. To I have a tape player. Tape. You have a tape player. I have no. a tape player. Yeah, I, have I three, do now. I, have I had to players. get one because everybody's making music on those now, and there's like one of my favorite local bands does not have anything online. They oh. only have their tapes. Who's that? Veneer, they're called. They have nothing online. They have one song online. That's awesome. So you have to like find them at a show and be like, can I have one of these? Because I can't listen to it otherwise. And That's... then you got to go buy a tape player too. You can't listen to them. That's awesome. And they're I one of that. the, like, if you ask people like who's coming up in music, it's like they're on the list and it's just like, you got to do it. Way. That's yeah. like uh, rock Marciano. He, uh, I look up to him so much. He, uh, that's how he sells. He doesn't have any of his stuff on iTunes. I think maybe thing here, thing there. Um, but he sells it all himself, prints it all himself and he'll sell it to you for like 75 bucks American. And it's crazy because his fans will buy it. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, I will buy these 20 songs off you for 50 bucks plus shipping. And yes, like, and once obviously people leak it, you can find it on the internet a week later, which is fine, but he'll sell 50,000 of those. Like that's crazy money. Like nobody needs a deal anymore. So it's kind of like, you know, it's really, I really, I really admire bands that do that and anybody that does that. I think mm-hmm. it's really cool. I'm just not in a position. I wish I was in a position that I could do that, but I just want my music out and I want people to experience it because I feel like I was gone for, for a few years and I'm just trying to like build up um, my fan base again and let them know that I'm back making music. I mean, I didn't lose too much of a step. I always stayed somewhat consistent, but not with full length projects and Let's be honest, you know, like the only way to really get big numbers and get it out is, is Spotify and Apple Music and stuff like that. But I really respect that. It's like a wicked thing because look, there that will pay off because it's so wanted. Yeah, and that's the that's the thing too. Is like, I saw them at the show 
and they were fucking amazing. And then you go home. You didn't buy the merch that day or whatever. Then you go home. You're like, oh, no, I can't just pirate their music, you know? So shout out to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Okay. You're talking about getting music out there and sharing music. And Wu-Tang did that bit of a stunt where they had that one golden one, album yeah. or whatever. With old Martin Scarelli or whatever. Yeah. Who would you, who's your golden last question, unless you have another one? No. Who's your golden album that you'd be the only person in the world that has this, and if people want to listen to it, they'd have to like come chill with you? Like the artist? Yeah. I, if I could buy anybody's <laughs> golden home. album. Yeah, if you... I had, I said, here's a million dollars to buy the golden album. I gave that to you. And so. no one else has that album. And nobody has that album so except me. for you. Yeah. 20 songs by someone. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm sorry if you're gonna like go home and like share <laughs> something that doesn't um, exist. Wow, uh, that's a really, really good. And then question. one more. So who is the your roots, golden album? The roots. Okay, I, I would go the Roots because I would love. I love their music so much that I would love to be like, hey, you can only hear it from me. Yeah. And then what is your Roots like primo lyric? Like what is that one lyric that when they from say the that? Roots? Yeah. Well, Black Thought. Black Thoughts. Oh, so incredible. Um... I won't even pick one. I'll pick the entire verse on Dear God 2.0. If everything is made in China, I'll be Chinese. Haters try to separate us like we sound. That whole, that whole, that whole, uh, that whole song is like a masterpiece in my eyes. Like he just, you know, talking to God. He's like, call me crazy. I thought maybe he could mind read. Like, I'm just like, yo, man, you're too good. Like, that's such an amazing thing. And if you want to check out something really cool from Black Thought, uh, the Funk Master Flex Freestyle. Ten minutes of... Absolute madness. Interesting. Yeah, I love Black Thought. Yeah, he's and, definitely the best. And now you own it, and we have to hang out with you. I, yeah, you have to hang out with me to <laughs> listen to these. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, I'm super content with that pick, actually. Yeah, because Black Thought's like my one of my favorite rappers ever, and I love the Besides fact a. that it's a full band. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm going with that choice. That's awesome. Okay, That's awesome. thanks for joining us. Thanks yeah, for having thank me. Thank you so much, Charlie. Um, very quickly, do you have anything going on in November with Steven Tyler <laughs> or Solo? We're we got a whole bunch of videos. Cool. Uh, so we're gonna drop one uh, on Friday. Okay. Um, and then we so we do a thing called Fourth Quarter Fridays. So Fourth Quarter Records is myself or Three Pete, myself, a uh, couple of video dudes. We're just kind of yeah, a little conglomerate, if you will. Just mm-hmm. kind of like a started as a bunch of guys that are just creating together, and now we're we're making it a push. So every Friday, Fourth Quarter Fridays. So next Friday is gonna be uh, a video for Coal Mine, and then I think I don't want to say anything. I think. I think Egg may have something for everybody. Whoa. May, may not. May, may or may not. May or may not. May or may not. I'm just saying, I don't know, but there's been murmurs around the water cooler Ooh. that he's got, he's got something in the works. So okay. I'm really excited. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, we look forward to that. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for. Thank you for cutting deep with us on Papercut Podcast. Thanks.